Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the show as we continue with our series, The Next Million. Now, the series uh, airs every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The series has been looking at Metro Vancouver through the lens of another million people living here. Our population is presently 2.8 million, and it's expected to hit 3.8 million by 2050. Now, how do we accommodate these new residents and how do we work? How do we play in a region with a million more residents? Uh, last week, we looked at the future of commuting with former city planner Brent, uh, Brent Totteron and moving goods in our region with Dave Earl, the BC Trucking Association. Later this week, we'll be looking at food security in the ALR in the region with Ocean Spray Chairman Peter Dillon. And next week, we'll also be joined by former Premier Christy Clark as we look at how we should govern uh, the Metro Van, uh, Vancouver region with another million people living here. Today we'll be looking at another important part of our region's economy, industrial land. We don't discuss the issue of industrial land very often, yet it has tremendous impact on our economic well-being. Industrial lands make up just 4% of the total land mass in the region, but result in over a 450,000 direct and indirect jobs. Now, industrial land generates a third of regional GDP and more than one in four jobs are located on industrial lands. And those jobs also tend to be higher wage jobs with workers earning on average over 10% higher than the national average. So here's the issue. We don't have enough industrial land. The city's industrial land vacancy is about 1% among the lowest in North America, according to the study, to a study commissioned by the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Joining me now to talk a little bit about industrial land and our challenges moving forward and hopefully some opportunities is Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Bridget, welcome. Nice to be here, Jazz. Uh, my apologies for the long introduction, but I think it's important that we sort of get a sense of how important industrial land uh, is for this region. Paint a picture for me in regards to your study and sort of what you took away from it. Well, I, maybe we should start with what is industrial land? Because I don't think that there's enough uh, knowledge or understanding about it. So that's, you know, where a whole lot of production happens in Greater Vancouver and British Columbia. And we can be talking about warehousing, we can talk about film, uh, the film sectors there, we can be talking about manufacturing. We're talking about a very wide array of activities that happen in there that support a lot of jobs, as you mentioned, about 450,000 jobs. The problem in Vancouver, if you look around, we've got mountains, which are lovely. Mm -hmm. The ocean is lovely. And we've got a border, also fine. But it means that we have such a scarcity of land for industrial land. So if you think about it in terms of the kinds of problems we're seeing in rental housing, there just isn't enough. There just isn't enough industrial land either. And the land that is available most of it is not feasible to actually use for production. And an example through the study that we did was a piece of land that is really too small to develop. It was halfway up a mountain that really had no transportation corridors to it. So what are you supposed to do with that? It's zoned for industrial use, but really it's not feasible Mm -hmm. that it could be used for that purpose. Um, In regards to that issue, um, if we don't have enough industrial land already, or there's some challenges now, are we 
losing business right now to other regions? And that's what we wanted to find out. Anecdotally, uh, at the Board of Trade, we had been hearing from members, from our Board of Directors for longer than I've been in the role, that it's costing jobs. And I I think that there's a pretty, uh, I would say, relatively high level of awareness by levels of government about the scarcity of industrial lands. So we hadn't really seen any kind of quantifiable data just what the impact is. So we did a study and we found that just in the last four and a half years alone, mm-hmm. that five, just over five million of square feet of space was uh, was sent over to Calgary, basically, for, for firms here that were looking for space and they went to Calgary instead. And so that means 6,300 jobs in four and a half years, 500 million in GDP and 500 million in wages. So that's significant. And that was just Calgary alone. You know, that was just the one jurisdiction that we looked at because there was a lot of examples available. Um, If you think back Mm -hmm. at the Alberta's calling ads, I mean, yeah, uh, it's very smart and Alberta's point, but, uh, but you know, it did actually, there was impact there. And certainly businesses in British Columbia that are looking to scale or looking to expand are having a very, very difficult time doing that. So then they have to look elsewhere. And in many Many cases, they've been looking to Alberta and to Calgary. So, how do we fix this? Because, as you said, the, the border's not going anywhere, mountains aren't going anywhere, anywhere, the water isn't going anywhere, and I'm going to say the ALR isn't going anywhere. Um, what are the things we can do immediately? Because I, I worry that if another million people here, they got to work, uh, we've got to mm-hmm. provide jobs. Uh, what do we do to fix this? Well, we made a number of recommendations to government and, you know, we really wanted to work as collaboratively with government as we could um, on this issue because it's complex. And you mentioned off the top that you're going to have Peter Dillon in, who was the chair of the Food Security Task Force. And I think that's really an important piece of the puzzle because food security matters and it matters a lot. So when we look at what recommendations we can do to free up some of that land, you know, if the government had an approach around prioritizing local jobs, local production, local food, and local housing, and took that as sort of a a broad approach to it and a holistic approach to industrial lands, they might have a different way of looking at it. In addition, there was a few other recommendations we made around looking at regional land use planning every three years instead of every five years, which would be very big um, Mm -hmm. when we've got the kind of population growth that we have, and also increasing the protection of the available industrial land. And you know, when we we actually took it one step further and said, so what if we were to free up just 1% of industrial land, if it was converted to industrial land? So what Mm -hmm. does that mean? 126,000 jobs, 8.5 billion in income, and 12 billion in GDP. So it is significant. Mm -hmm. And so we are saying to the government, take a look at this regionally, holistically, and really think about how, be, be creative and think about how this land can be used differently mm-hmm. by prioritizing jobs, production, food, housing. So the zoning is always municipal. Should it be taken away from municipal? And I don't want to get too political here, but if, if you're, what you're saying is, and it makes sense to me, you know, does that mean we would have to say, look, we're going to rezone some of this because we need this industrial land. I think of Campbell Heights in Surrey, mm-hmm. South Surrey, uh, Tawasson First Nations land uh, in Tawasson uh, that has an Amazon warehouse and others, uh, another uh, industrial uh, work going in there. Uh, this also speaks to rezoning as well. So is this a point where we have to make some tough decisions? Does the provincial government move in, A, rezone some areas from even, God, I, you know, residential potentially? Do we look at the most least productive ALR land and do we rezone that as industrial? I mean, are these the kind of conversations 
we're going to have to have? Yes, we have to have all these kinds of conversations. And when we made the recommendation around regional land use planning, there is a regional land use planning process, but it's done every five years. Things are moving way too fast now. We need to look at this every three years was the recommendation that we made. And to think about industrial land, you know, does it make sense to have a warehouse on a particular piece of land or could that be freed up for food growth and and production? Um, Could we um, make some other changes that would would protect food uh, food security? Because as I said, that's really important. But is there different kinds of of land uses? You know, there's light industrial, there's heavy industrial. And right now, um, I don't think... I think what's happened is that, you know, there has been such quick growth and such scarcity of land that we're saying now's the time to step back and to have really holistic look at the region and the best use of the land for the region. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade as part of our Next Million series. And today we're focusing on industrial land. Uh, it doesn't represent a lot of land here um, in the Metro Vancouver area. Boy, it represents a lot of jobs, though. Lots and lots of jobs. Uh, 450,000 direct and indirect jobs uh, for uh, an area that represents about 4% of Metro Vancouver's total land mass. What should we do, especially as we're losing uh, business to places like Calgary uh, and Edmonton and Washington State as well? Call me on the open line, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell phone. Uh, let's go to James in White Rock. Hi, James. Hi, Jazz. Thanks for taking my call. Now, I agree completely with what she's saying, but the one thing I disagree with is the fact that British Columbia in general taxes their way of development because they overtax everything so badly when it comes to overhead costs like fuel, like property taxes, like land values, transfer fees. They can't compete with Alberta. Not even close. So why would anybody with $10 million to invest in a production plant come to BC and say, yeah, I'll automatically pay 7% more for PSD, 60 cents a litre more for transport for all of my goods, and walk home with a smile on their face when they could do it for 25% cheaper in Calgary? James, thanks for your call. I mean, James raises... A good point, and probably separate from industrial land, the core issue of not having industri- enough industrial land. But that's part of the challenge as well, is the taxation, right? Uh, well, and I would have to completely agree with the him as well. BC's not a competitive jurisdiction. Another report we released a few months uh, before the industrial land shortage report was around the cost of doing business, that we found in just a two-year period, mm-hmm. $6.5 billion of additional cost imposed by government. And we tallied up, it was a pretty short list, um, the imperial Payroll tax, so the employer health tax, corporate tax, new paid sick leave, and the business portion of the carbon tax. And when uh, this caller is talking about, you know, business investment, BC has the highest marginal tax rate on new business investment in Canada, 25.6%. So he's right. Other jurisdictions, and Alberta is one example, but, you know, south of the border, there are lots of examples of governments that are taking a very direct strategic approach to attracting investment. And British Columbia has to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you raise a very good point. I mean, I, I, gotta, I recall uh, then Alberta Premier Jason Kenney was on this show. And we talked a lot about attracting British Columbians to come to, to, to Alberta. But I did bring up the issue of, of food security with him, and mm-hmm. particularly vertical farming. And, and he got really excited about the kind of things they're, they're, they're doing over there to attract that business. part of the industrial, industrial-based conversation that we're having. And that's part of the challenge. There are folks coming after our, uh, our businesses, and then we've got to keep them here. Uh, let's go to Damien in Maple Ridge. Hi, Damien. Hey, Jeff. 
how's it going? I'm doing very well. What's on your mind? Well, I was just, you know, thinking about uh, a lot of what you had to say and Bridget there. Um, you know, and it goes systematic with things like policing as well, mm-hmm. which is another major issue in the Lower Mainland. But overall, I think one of the themes is that um, it lends a, a pretty strong argument for amalgamation of these municipalities in order to um, better divvy up the land as, as it might be required in terms of maintaining an industrial uh, strength within the West Coast, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, with the NIMBYs in each, it, it becomes a lot harder to deal with um, and allocate land use, whereas where you have one or two policymakers um, throughout the Lower Mainland, um, you know, making these decisions and forcing forcing the hand. Yeah, Damon, you, I appreciate your call. Um, we'll do amalgamation another day, another segment. <laughs> I, I'd like to know which mayor wants to champion yeah, that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just nailed it on the head. None of them do, and that's the problem. But the core issue that Damien brought up is a cohesiveness in policy where we talk and think like a region. We, we have a Metro Vancouver governance, and I get that. But we really don't. No, when you think about um, a country wanting to come and to invest in British Columbia or in this region, they're not thinking, I'm going to invest in Maple Ridge or Coquitlam. They're thinking about investing in the region. So we need a cohesive strategy and economic plan for the region, for the province. And I would say that there are areas of these plans uh, that are completely lacking. I mean, governments at all levels will say they have these plans, but frankly, they don't. And we're at a particular point around competitiveness. We're on a global global scale and we need to be doing better to attract investment into this region. I mean, it also attracting talent. This is, we have a, a, a huge crisis when it comes to affordability for families and individuals. We all know about it. We all feel it. Mm-hmm. But it is the same problem for businesses and particularly small and medium businesses. Uh, final question. Uh, are you confident? Are you optimistic here? I mean, I, we're not guaranteed business. We're not a special place as much as we like to believe we're a special place. People invest where our companies will invest where they feel they can maximize their uh, their their uh, their investment in, in whatever region that may be. Are you optimistic we can fix this when you have Alberta next door that doesn't have to deal with the uh, physical limitations of, of uh, you know, water and mountains and everything else? Washington State, that also is very uh, attractive as well. Are you confident, based on what we're doing today and our challenges, that we can actually fix this industrial land issue problem? You know, I think there are people at all levels of government that recognize this as a serious issue and recognize we're at an inflection point when it comes to competitiveness. But we have an incredible opportunity in this province. We have sectors that are growing beyond even what we imagine, whether it's life sciences or the tech sector. Green economy is great opportunity. It's just being able to rise to the challenge. And that is why I said, you know, we have worked very collaboratively and transparently with government, with the BC government on this, because we want to find solutions together. Industry and government have to find solutions together to a complex problem. I'm an optimistic person, Jazz, Mm -hmm. and I will continue to be optimistic that we can find solutions to this. Bridget, thank you. Thank you.